Morning, everybody. It's nine o'clock. Well, I've just gone nine o'clock because we're late because of the school run. It's Wednesday. It must be hump day. Welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by my fellow Mirror columnist and associate editor, Kevin Maguire. Morning, Kev. Morning, Foxy. Now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. Um, those of you listening later on podcast will just have to make a load of outlandish claims about things you don't understand and see how far you get. Um, first off, though, I must say we are going to have no discussion of the Prince Harry court case today, not because we are cowards, but because the right place for those discussions is the courtroom and not here. So what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on calls for rugby heroes Kevin Sinfield and Rob Burrows to receive an honour for their amazing struggles. In the case of Kevin, through multiple fundraising challenges and Rob through motor neurone disease. Now, inside, there is a great interview in pictures with Rob's wife showing her commitment to caring for him. It's a great read. Please search it out and have a, have a look for it. Your day will be improved by doing so. Um, but I want to take us first to page two, where... The COVID inquiry set up by Boris Johnson's government has finally begun and it has announced that next week it expects to have Boris Johnson's unredacted WhatsApps, even though the government is launching a legal review claiming it shouldn't have to hand them all over. Now, Kevin, this seems like an interminable process. We haven't even got anywhere near the meat of the thing yet. Is the government really going to push ahead with a judicial review into handing over WhatsApps when the inquiry's already got a load of them? I know. Well, it seems to be at the moment. And George Freeman, the science minister, admitted on BBC Question Time last Thursday it would probably lose. It's just it's kind of bonkers. You know, that old Dennis Healy uh, maxim when a hole stopped digging. Well, they're at the controls of a JCB. They're in the cab of it and they're uh, digging deeper. You know, they set up the inquiry. They give Heather Hallett, Baroness Hallett, uh, an independent peer, a former court of appeal judge, powers to call whatever she wanted. She's called what she wanted, and they're now trying to block it. So you think, what have you got to hide? You're undermining your own inquiry, intentionally or otherwise, and you will almost certainly lose in court. I think it's become... uh, just another sign of a government that is has lost its way. It's becoming competent. It's making silly and daft decisions and scoring lots of own goals. What do you think, everybody? Do you think that it's absolutely right the COVID inquiry should see all the ministers' WhatsApps uh, unredacted, or do you think it's only fair to hold some of them back because they're personal and not in, not somehow relevant, according to what people outside the inquiry would think? Mike says, "Morning, Mike. Are this shady government is this shady government really going to go through a judicial review? Every legal opinion says they'll lose to try to keep information from the COVID inquiry. Has Sunak given up, worrying how bad this makes him look?" It's got to be said, Kevin, that this, as I can remember, this row started with Boris Johnson firing lawyers and getting upset because he was being reported to the police for things that were found out in his private diaries. And it seems to have moved on to blaming Rishi Sunak and making him look bad. Yeah, he is. How could that possibly have happened? Yeah, uh, Boris Johnson unusually went for the moral high ground and said, let's uh, give give everything over uh, immediately. Then we discovered he wasn't given his first phone for the crucial period of 2020, uh, switch phones. And then he said, oh, I'll give that, but I've never used it before. 
but it is, you, you've got to wonder whether it's the current uh, prime minister and senior ministers who are worried because some of this information could come out in the run up to the next general election expected in the autumn of next year. And some of it could be embarrassing. If you're Rishi Sunak, it's what did you say about the uh, eat out to help out scheme in the summer of 2020 or the eat out to spread the virus scheme? How much of that was PR? How much was it e economic? What health adv advice did he possibly ignore? That could be um, very embarrassing. I spoke to Nadine Dorries, the former culture secretary, she's a health minister at the time, and she's handed over uh, her stuff. And she was just chatting about the process. And it's, you give all your stuff, and the inquiry isn't just going to publish uh, you, you, um, you know, asking your partner, have you, have you got any milk in the fridge? Um, you know, is, they, uh, is the cat being fed? They use keywords to get all the data, but you could get the, the point, and we saw this with Matt Hancock's messages where he rather unwisely gave them to a journalist who then dumped them in, uh, in, in public, that you get criticism of other ministers. Yeah. And you do override advice, you don't follow the guidance, and that, that'll be testing. But if you're going to have a public inquiry which finds out what happened, and I think we owe that to the victims and the survivors, their families, people who just had their lives turned up, you also want to learn lessons for the future in case this happens in you know, some shape or form in the, in the future. But sure. they're just now playing, I think, for short-term political uh, gear. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Well, never mind in case it happens in the future. I think we splashed on Monday that it was about to happen with uh, mm -hmm. yeah. a resistant TB virus. Yeah. So um, it's it's it very much needs sorting out. Although I personally do quite want to know what sort of messages the PR department sent Rishi Sunak when they heard about the eat out to help out slogan and the advice they gave him about that, because that would be funny. Um, and what do you think, everybody? Uh, do you think that uh, Nadine Dory's information is solid? Do you think Boris Johnson's gone for the moral high ground? Do you think he even knows where it is and could he find it with a map? Um, it does seem to set a bit of a precedent, though, doesn't it? So Boris has handed over his WhatsApps. We know Matt Hancock has given his, Nadine's given hers. People who are out of government seem a bit more willing to do it than those who are in government at the moment. Um, and it does mean that anyone who doesn't do it is going to look pretty bad pretty quickly, doesn't it? So yeah. what else could be in those WhatsApps Yeah, the other yeah. end of it, which is what they're presumably still trying to protect? Yeah, you know, pre precedents have been um, set in previous inquiries, whether I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, as, as you chat now, I remember covering the Leveson inquiry uh, about 12 years ago, actually in the ethics of the, me in, in the media, I remember reading uh, some very embarrassing messages from David Cameron, the then Prime Minister, to Rebecca Brooks, the head of you know, The Sun and The Times and, mm -hmm. and everything. Uh, or you go, the Grenfell Inquiry, there's been some stuff that's been very uncomfortable for, for, for ministers. The president is set, it's like the, the government is trying to claw back what's been happening in the, in the past, but they set up the inquiry. You made Heather Hallett, Hallett Baroness Hallett, uh, a queen of her inquiry, and you've just got to respect it. She's not going to data dump and make public irrelevant messages. She will have a forensic team of lawyers going through what's considered relevant and what's not, but it has to be her decision rather than the Cabinet Office decision when that's a nerve centre of government under political control and will be seeking to spare the blushes of the politicians at the time who were taking the decisions. It's, it's got to be up to Hallett.
to decide. So she's not going to do all that. Have you fed the cat? Uh, have you got the parcel from next door? That'll be irrelevant. She will look at all the the major decision making and the chats because Tony Blair used to be criticised for having government buy sofa, you know, sitting at the sofa mm. with the mate and you know chew, chewing the chewing the cud and making yeah, big decisions. No war or not in Iraq. Well, this lot do it all on WhatsApp. Uh, and if it's all on WhatsApp, then the inquiry needs to see what was being said and done on WhatsApp. It's, it's just as simple as that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've, I don't know about you, but I've shared WhatsApps with people in government. And once or twice I've said, is this okay? Do we need to be more careful? Do we need to, you know, you're going to be, at some point you might be found out talking to a mirror journalist, which may not be a good look for everybody. Uh, and they go, that's fine. I can talk to her I like. You know, they don't seem to have computed that um, some of these things can be declarable and come back to bite you on the button at some point. But not when you talk to me, of course. Um, now, <laughs> what do you think, everybody? It does say right at the end of this piece uh, that the Cabinet Office is willing to agree another way forward. And that's a quote from the Prime Minister's official spokesman. It's not a source. So the PM spokesman says we're gonna, we, can, we can agree another way forward. We can find some kind of way out to wriggle out of it. It does seem like an increasingly unsustainable position that they, they're going to try and argue with the law on statutory inquiries, which were, was, is very old and is very solid and which mm. everyone kind of agrees that, as Mike said, they're never going to be able to win this judicial review. What kind of face-saving compromise could they possibly come up with, though? Having said they don't want to hand them over, yeah, I think it, yeah, it, it may be to give them, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to third party adjudicators, a team that will decide whether it is, you know, the information is relevant or not. If Heather Hallett uh, agrees to that, she, you know, I know she might uh, in order to speed up the process and get her hands on the information and, and get what she wanted anyway, because some of the stuff will be screened out. It's not, you know, I can't re emphasize enough. The inquiry isn't just going to publish every single WhatsApp message on Boris Johnson, Rishi Sunak, Jeremy Hunt, Pretty Patels, uh, you know, who Matt, yeah, Matt Hancock's fund. They're just not going to do it. You know, I've no doubt when Matt Hancock uh, and the Telegraph had this and didn't use it too, there would have been WhatsApp messages about Gina Colodangelo, you know, the, the infamous Hans Face space invasion, you know, when we saw him kissing and sort of fondling her, uh, and the oh, breakup of his marriage. You won't get that. You won't. Don't. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's a terrible that, image. I know, I know you've just come back run. You don't want to know about that. I know, I know. Um, you know it's not, it's not going to be like soft porn. They're not going to have any of that. All the heartache of somebody's marriage being, you know, falling, falling apart. That won't be there. But if all of a sudden he says, oh, you know, Gina, fancy a snog later. By the way, I think Johnson's got this totally wrong. Uh, he's, he's blown the decisions because he's always off with Carrie or having parties in number 10. Well, that would be relevant. And it would have to be up to Heather Hallett and her team to make that call. She might make the, the opposite call. I doubt she would. But but that would be relevant. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and we'll have to we'll have to see how things go. But I think I'll put my faith in them in the judge knowing roughly where yeah. the right end of things is, as opposed to Boris Johnson or the Cabinet Office, who, in my experience, 
can't find their asses with a map. Um, now, we need to move on to the biggest story of the day, as far as most of the world is concerned, which is the mysterious destruction of a hydroelectric dam in the south of Ukraine. I say mysterious because it's put thousands of Ukrainian lives at risk. It's removed the ability of cooling the reactors at the Zaporizhia uh, nuclear plant, and it's made it impossible for Ukrainian tanks to cross on their summer offensive to cross the river and operate in areas that are controlled by Russia and, as you can see there, King Neptune. Now, Kevin, who could possibly benefit from doing all that to Ukraine? Yeah, you always you always look who benefits on any any scandal. Some, sometimes, you know, there's a kind of cock up theory as well as a conspiracy theory that uh, can, can come into play. But you see, it's a clear advantage to Putin. This has has happened as the Ukrainians push for their offensive. Well, now they can't use the road across the the dam. They've got a problem of Kherson uh, being flooded. Forty thousand people may need moving, as you say. The nuclear power station could be jeopardised, although the where it could backfire for for Putin's forces is uh, it also supplies water to Crimea, a, a Russian annexed area from 2014. Now Putin is desperate to hold on onto, but it, it's kind of typical uh, of the scorched earth policy of, of Putin's uh, invaders. They just trash, bombard, turn a rubble up everything. So I think that's where the the finger will will point, and it would be a war crime to destroy civilian in infrastructure in this way. Um, I will just say as a quick aside, uh, NATO did it in, uh, in Serbia, to some extent targeting power stations and the TV station back at the end of the, uh, the 1990s. Um, but no, it's, I think it's quite clear here. And they, the pictures in the mirror are, or the uh, live pictures as you get to with the water flowing on uh, mirror.co.uk, just absolutely incredible. It's kind of the stuff of a disaster movie but this is absolutely deliberate and if Putin's forces can kidnap school children rape murder execute torture this is just an extension uh, of it and it's it's the Russians preparing to repel uh, the, the long anticipated offensive yeah then what do you think everybody get into the comments let us know your questions do you think this is definitely a Russian attack do you think it's a Ukrainian false flag operation or something? Do you think that there's going to be a problem with the nuclear plant? And it should be said that there are 22,000 Russians also at risk. And as Kevin said, the drinking water is going to be limited on all sides. So whoever did this has caused damage everywhere in all directions, which is exactly the sort of thing Putin does generally like doing. He does like this scorched earth policy. Same thing's been seen in Syria. Um, but it should be pointed out that the Ukrainians have got drones and shells. Um, it's pretty hard to break a dam with those things. Uh, as anybody who's recently marked the Dam Busters um, anniversary would know, you need some pretty big explosives to break a dam. Um, now, the Ukrainians say that a mine was exploded inside the dam at 2.50 a.m., while the Russians say it was an attack. But if that's the case, then basically it's the Russians saying that the Ukrainians are amazingly powerful, uh, have very heavy artillery and the ability to bomb infrastructure that's supposedly under Russian control. So it's sort of counterproductive. If Russia's right, then Ukraine should have won the war by now. Um, but we're sort of waiting for the intelligence community to join the dots here and make an announcement if they ever do. But it, it sounds exactly like the sort of thing Putin would do, doesn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, that is that is exactly it. Like, if, if you're Ukraine, you don't want to trash your own country. You want the Russians out, and you want to be able to rebuild your country. You don't want to make that a harder task. Now, 
the Russians went particularly where that, where that dam is, and that, that river is a, a boundary. It's a way of repelling uh, Ukrainian counteroffensive. So you, you take out a bridge, you take out a tunnel, you take out a dam, you make it harder for the Ukrainians. And it is, it's a, it's a, it's a war of terror, and I think it, it's, yeah, it's a war crime. Will anyone ever be prosecuted? Almost certainly not. Well, think, has, have any Russian presidents lived very long after being president, Kevin? <laughs> well, I know that's well. I suppose, I suppose Gorbachev did for a while. Yel, Yeltsin yeah. for a bit, but you're quite you're quite right. What used to happen in the you know you were if you go if you look at Russian history up to 1917, you were a czar until you died. Then uh, who came along next? Lenin, Lenin Stalin, Khrushchev, uh, um, the, the Brezhnev, uh, Andropov, uh, Chernenko. They all they all stayed as rulers until they died. Yes, um, they, die, they die in power, or then someone. It's, it's more an issue of whether or not they're poisoned, stabbed, or uh, executed. Yeah, that, that's the natural cause of death for a Russian president. So. I may get to the point that you say Putin never really gets to stand trial for any of this stuff. Um, now, one of the big issues, right, this doesn't just affect Ukraine. It affects you at home as well, uh, wherever you're watching this, because one of the big issues is that nuclear plant. It used the waters that were held back by the dam, which incidentally was also making power. So people in that area are without that, too. But it was using those waters to cool the biggest nuclear plant in Europe at Japaricha. Now, if those reactor cores don't maintain a steady temperature then the um the how can i put it the reactions inside them the radioactive reactions can escalate and get out of control they can go critical and then get an explosion or a leak which is exactly what we saw at chernobyl well within living memory now james cleverly the foreign secretary is calling this a war crime people are being evacuated i suspect it's not just to avoid the wet patch but the possibility of other things going horribly wrong um, is all that too strong, Kevin? I mean, if there is a big explosion at, at the plant, then that affects all of Europe, doesn't it? Uh, yes, and that and, and that nuclear plant has uh, has been in danger uh, month after uh, month after month. It's occupied by the Russians. It's been shelling of it. Both sides blaming each other. It's been fortified, so the Russians put you know soldiers in who then the Ukrainians can't uh, can't attack and it's it, it's terrifying because of course yeah as, as we saw with Chernobyl if there's a nuclear incident of course it will uh, will affect us it, it doesn't stay local but you know it's also flooding agricultural land and Ukraine was a bread bread basket not just of uh, of Europe but much of the world it's one of the reasons food prices have, have gone up uh, the disruption to to grain so it is. It is very serious. It's not just a war. Uh, yeah, a long way away. We can just disregard. I mean, look, yeah, this is on our continent. It's. Uh, it is impacting, uh, impacting us. And the and the Russians know that. There's a psychological war as well as that physical war. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's an awful lot of things that could possibly go wrong there, um, and it all depends, of course, on fallouts and. Uh, wind patterns and goodness knows what else, but Chernobyl came this way, and there is no reason to think yeah. to reach out that wouldn't. Um, and of course, there are nuclear test veterans in many families around this country that can tell you what the effects of fallout are over the long term, and they're not pleasant. Uh, although it's amazing, isn't it? The government doesn't want to admit what happened to the nuclear test veterans when they're in a nuclear fallout, but they'd be want you to be very worried if it happens to come here. Crikey! So it's not completely safe. What a surprise. Now, speaking of attacks. 
Um, right at the bottom of that page there, there's been some discussion by the Armed Forces Minister, James Heapy, yesterday, saying that we need to beef up the protection of our own undersea cables that supply uh, oil, fuel, energy, gas and telecoms to us in case of Russian attack on them. There have been stories about Russian submarines supposedly being active in the North Sea and around those cables and pipelines. And Kevin, this bemuses me a bit because... Well, yes, it's a good idea to look after those things. They're very important bits of infrastructure. Um, without a submarine being parked over the top of them all day, every day, how could we possibly keep this safe from someone who wants to, to do something to it? Is this just saber rattling? Yeah, I would, I would have thought... Are they spreading fear? What is it? Why are they doing it? Yeah, I would have thought it's just as the Russians found with the Nord Stream gas pipeline that uh, you know, it was um, damaged uh, in several points by explosions. Almost impossible to defend, as you say. You could try and track vehicles or you know, submarine ships that you think are a threat. In fact, the Royal Navy is all... Uh, ordered a couple of uh, uh, ships for that. Not there yet. So <laughs> that's going to be some time. But no, it's just incredibly vulnerable. We we kind of lived in, in a world where you thought the threat wasn't there physically anymore. There was an you know, end, end to war in Europe. Well, the Balkans showed that uh, wasn't, wasn't the case. And now this is this has proved the same. And our infrastructure is incredibly uh, incredibly vulnerable. And you you can't. Uh, it's, it's almost just an, under, an understanding with the Russians that. We won't attack theirs, and they won't attack ours. That's mm. uh, I think that is the, the level it is at. Because if they targeted cables, it would be very, very difficult to to stop them. Uh, they're often shown in the war and the war as you know unthinking brutes who aren't very uh, very sophisticated, but but in fact they are as well. Uh, I'm, I'm not defending the invasion. I think it was unprovoked. There's been absolutely horrific crimes on it. Um, they, the Russians need to be out of. Ukraine and people held her account, but the fact is they can be incredibly sophisticated too. Exactly. If they want to take out those cables, I think there'd be nothing we could do. No, there probably isn't, is there? But as you say, the MOD have ordered a couple of ships to try and uh, spend some money on trying to you know, pretend that they are looking after these things. Although how two ships are going to do it is beyond me. So maybe the reason that the ministers start talking about this is because they want to grease the, the money pipeline a little bit and yeah. make sure these things come through there's always politics going on um now we do have one little comment um from pete on twitter who says i made a mistake sending a whatsapp this morning i've never been in politics so i don't suppose anyone's that bothered but the moral being there's too much of this philip schofields and harry shenanigans day after day i feel the same way about that so i think he's generally a bit negative about the idea of going through people's whatsapps in case people say something that's wrong or they've made a boo-boo on there but to be honest pete if they're making boo-boos on whatsapps they shouldn't be governing by WhatsApp, that's kind of oh my god! Do it properly if you're if you're making cock ups because you're not a normal member of the public. You've got a very important job. Anyway, um, we do have uh, some. Thank you for spending all that, Kevin. Uh, get into the comments if you want to ask any more questions about what you think is going on with Russia and Ukraine. Who you think's to blame? Whether you're worried about possible uh, nuclear explosions gosh all those things could happen i can't believe we're even discussing it um but uh, in the meantime we have found some good news there is light on the horizon we found it for you and here it is now next time you sit down to a big curry you're probably going to be telling yourself that you'll regret it in the morning it's loaded with calories and let's face it you're probably drunk but worry no more nottingham trent university 
thank you guys, um, has found that shots of turmeric given to Rotherham United players helps them recover from match injuries and return to fitness more quickly. Yes, OK, they're having it in pure shots of turmeric. And if you don't want to do that, there is plenty of the stuff in a curry. So, Kevin, is this proof that sitting down to a massive plate of madras will turn us all into professional athletes? Please say yes. Oh, yeah, with a, with a <laughs> large portion of pillow rice, couple of sides, some saga loo. It's uh, the bhaji. It's the bhaji that will bhaji. do it for you. Yeah, a kima naan and five pints of lager. Yeah, and then you'd be playing like uh, Harland. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it would sort out my abdominal issues. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, if, if only. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it does just show you there is a spice a single spice when you have your curry. So maybe you would be better just off having a little teaspoonful or however much of uh, turmeric you can take. Yeah, turmeric tea is supposed to be quite good for you, but I don't think anyone really likes that. So, I mean, Madras <laughs> is really, let's face it, that's the way we're all going to get a turmeric in our systems. Maybe yeah. Man City and West Ham players will all be considering it, though, and chugging a load before their matches. We can but hope, can't we? <laughs> <sighs> Right. Well, um, we found some some good news. It, you know, maybe the whole world's going to go to hell. But uh, who benefits from things? That's what you need to think about. Who benefits from the biggest stories of the day? Who benefits from blowing up a dam? Who benefits from eating curry? Us. That's it. Right. Thank you, Kevin, for taking us through all that. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. If you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review so other people can find us. Otherwise, we will see you again next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda Explained. Come back on these channels at 12 o'clock for Prime Minister's Questions because Rishi Sunak is in America today. It is Oliver Dowd and the deputy, whatever he is, and Angela Rayner, who probably smack him about the room a bit um so come back and watch that if you want to later on otherwise we'll see you next monday for another edition of the news agenda explained till then everybody tatty bye <laughs>